I love it when the kids uh, help and lead in worship. And uh, I just appreciate uh, those um, adult leaders that help with kids' choir. You know, one of the things that they do in kids' choir, they don't just teach them to sing. They don't just teach them, you know, notes. They, they teach them how to worship, and that's evident uh, in, how they, uh, in, in how they lead. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate them very much. And wasn't that announcement video, like, the best announcement video ever? I mean, that was, uh, that was, really, that was, that was really great. Uh, if you're wondering why there's a big gaping hole right here in the front of the worship center where our students usually sit, it's because they're doing something a little bit different. Usually, they'll go to first hour life group, and then they'll all come in here and sit together and worship together. Well, uh, we did something a little bit different today. Uh, we are doing a combined life group with a lot of our senior adult classes and our uh, middle school and high school students in the fellowship hall. Uh, so that's where they are. They are, uh, there's, probably, there's probably as many people down in, the fel- down in the fellowship hall right now, all our middle school students, our high school students, and a lot of our senior adult classes, they're down there eating donuts. Now, that does not mean that you can get up right now and go down there and eat a donut. You are held captive to me and you have to stay right here. Um, uh, however, that's why, uh, that's why there's a lot of people missing from this worship service, uh, worship service today. I'm excited to continue this series today uh, entitled Preach and Heal. Uh, this is just a summary of what Jesus' ministry was. He preached and he healed. I mean, if you look at the Gospels, uh, he, he, uh, he gave some great teaching, taught with authority, and he also used his authority to do miracles. And we're looking at the miracles in Luke, specifically the healing miracles in Luke. And what we're looking at, what we're searching for, what we're trying to, I guess the application for us is, is we're, we're, we're looking to, uh, to deal with some of our personal hurts and habits and hang-ups. Every single one of us has these. Uh, you have a habit that you don't like, that you wish you didn't have, a sinful habit uh, possibly. Maybe you're in some type of, uh, of sinful spiritual bondage today, or you have some type of hang-up or some type of emotional baggage, something that's more than likely that there's something in your life that you would say, I wish that it was not there. Uh, these are just what we call hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I've asked you last week, I asked you to be praying about this, uh, praying about uh, a miracle that you would want God to do in your life. After all, we know Jesus does miracles. We see them all throughout Scripture. Jesus does all types of miracles. He gives people uh, uh, spiritual freedom. He gives people freedom through healing. He does, he does all types of miracles. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe there's something you've just come to the end of your rope, and you're like, I can't try hard enough. I can't do well enough. I can't accomplish enough uh, to perform that which is necessary in my life. And maybe you just need to start calling on Jesus and, and legitimately asking him for help and giving up and surrendering. And so that's, that's what I've challenged you to do by way of application with this sermon series. It could be a physical healing. You say, man, I've, I've, I've got this physical ailment in my life. The doctors can't do anything. I just need God to do a miracle in my life about it. Or maybe it's something relational. Maybe you're having some issues in your marriage or with a child or with a parent or with a co-worker or with a neighbor. And you would say, I need Jesus to heal and repair these relationships. Perhaps it's emotional. Maybe some baggage that you've been carrying around even since childhood. And you're tired of it. You need freedom from it. You need release. More than likely, it could be a besetting sin. Uh, something that you've carried with you for years and years, a struggle, a temptation, and you'd say, Jesus, 
I just need healing from this. Whatever it is for you, I hope that you'll be praying for it through this series. Now, I introduced this last week. Why did Jesus perform miracles? Here's a slide I showed you last week. I'll show it to you again as we continue through this series in the coming weeks. But this last point, and I could say a lot about the first three, but this last point, they are vehicles of teaching. So if you went to Life Group today, uh, the same text that I'm going to be preaching today, which by the way is Luke chapter 4, uh, you can oh, go, ahead and, uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, uh, your, your Life Group lesson today was from, was from Luke chapter 4, and was this same uh, particular uh, healing miracle that Jesus performed. But it's likely that you're going to have a different application in your Life Group than I'm going to provide for you here. And if we were to do this again next year, uh, you could probably find a different application. These miracles of Jesus are such tremendous vehicles of, of, of teaching um, that uh, there's so much that we can learn from them. There's 14 of them in Luke, and I showed you this last week also, 14 uh, healing miracles in Luke. Look at the second one down. Three people were cured of demon possession. This is what I want to talk to you about today. I, I want to talk to you today about how to find spiritual healing through Christ. And we're going to look at this instance today where Jesus casts a demon out of a man. Now, when was the last time you heard a sermon about casting out demons in a Baptist church? You don't hear them that much. Uh, well, today, today might feel a little different uh, and uh, maybe a little, a little challenging. But we see in the Bible many instances in where Jesus does this. Uh, three of them in Luke, but others, uh, others in Matthew. Why study this? Why, 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 even, why even bring up demons or Satan? Why even, why even put our minds on those things? And here's the reason. Jesus' power over Satan and demons is a central focus of the gospel. Let me explain what I mean by that. Do you remember way back in Genesis, way back in Genesis, the very first temptation, the very first sin, Satan was involved. He slithered his way into Eve's life. He tricked her, and the world was thrown into chaos. And God pronounced a curse. And he and, and, and even and even he pronounced several curses, but he, he also gave a promise to the woman. He said, I'm going to give you some offspring, and your offspring is going to bruise the head of the serpent. It's going to smash the head of the serpent. We call that the gospel in advance. That was a foreshadowing of Christ as the offspring that would crush the power of Satan. You remember the very first thing that happened uh, with Jesus after he was baptized, anointed for ministry? You remember the very first thing that happened? He went into the desert and he had a direct confrontation with Satan. And something happened in that confrontation that didn't happen with Eve. Something happened in that confrontation that has that that has uh, has not happened in your life until Jesus showed up. Jesus won. 
Jesus won his, in, in, in victory and in power over Satan. And that's what he has promised. This is a central part of the gospel, that Jesus has power over the enemy. Jesus has power over Satan. And this world has held sway to all the dark forces of evil, but through Jesus we find victory. And so it, just, it follows that we're going to see in the ministry of Jesus, we're going to see Jesus exerting his power over Satan and over demons. And um, I I hope that you have seen in your own life Jesus' power to overcome the evil one. Now listen, you may not have been demon-possessed and flopped around on the floor like this man did, but I guarantee you, if listen, if you're a believer, if you walk with God, if you love Jesus, if you want to do His will, there has been some confrontation between you and the forces of evil. And the only way that you were victorious was not because you were powerful and strong, but because Jesus showed up in your life. And so that's what we're going to look at. Uh, that's what we're going to look at today in Luke chapter four, starting in verse thirty-one. Stand with me if you don't mind. Luke chapter four, starting in verse thirty-one. This instance whenever Jesus casts out this demon. Verse thirty-one. And he went to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And how as he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases were brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Father, today we thank you that you have won the victory. You have won the battle. And there is no reason, no reason why any of us here today should be in any form of spiritual bondage or torment because you have given us the victory. Show us, Lord Jesus, today how we might walk in that victory. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, that's quite a day in the life of Jesus, isn't it? 
He gets up, gets up on a Saturday morning, goes to the synagogue, you know, and he's just heading to church and he's up there preaching and all of a sudden a demon-possessed man starts crying out and Jesus, I guess, he just cast it out and then finished his sermon later or something like that. And then he goes, uh, I guess, I don't know, after lunch sometime, he goes to Simon's house and uh, heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then the Bible says, as the sun was going down, as the day was ending, all sorts of people were brought to him, and he healed them of their physical diseases, but he also healed them of their spiritual ailments. The Bible says that he cast out demons of, out of many. It doesn't tell us what the situations were, uh, like it did with this particular man in, in, in the synagogue, uh, but it just says that many demons came out of people. All of these people uh, who maybe they didn't need physical healing, but maybe there was something spiritual going on in their life. Maybe they were, they were tormented, they were agonized by something. And the Bible says that Jesus uh, released them from that. Now, how, how, would you, how would you like that to happen? You know, you come to church and all of a sudden a demon-possessed man starts crying out. Some, you know, some people would say, well, this is kind of a crazy scenario that we, we, don't, we, we wouldn't want to see things like this in our day. But I contend that if someone has any type of torment, that if someone has any type of burden, any type of spiritual bondage in their life, that coming and gathering with God's people or around the Word of God in worship is exactly the place to find spiritual healing. Now, it may not look exactly like it did in the, in the New Testament, but it's spiritual healing just the same that Jesus, our victor over the forces of darkness, offers to all of us. Now, look, this, this topic can be a little confusing for people. It can, it, it can be a little fearful for others. There are some people that would say, you know, I've seen too many extremes among some Pentecostals, and uh, it just seems hokey to me. Other people might have some doubts, and they might say, well, I'm just, I'm just not so sure about, about all that. But let, let, me give you, let me give you an undeniable truth. Satan and his demons are real. If you believe the scripture, and if you believe there is a holy God, then you also have to believe that the Bible testifies and shows and demonstrates that there is an unholy devil. And he has minions that serve him called demons who are fallen angels who have goals for you and who have goals for this world. And they're not pleasant and they're not, uh, they're, they're not good. There is a natural world around us that we can see with our physical eyes. But there are also spiritual forces at work in the world that maybe we cannot see with our physical eyes, but we have to know and perceive with spiritual eyes or at least a heart of faith that we're at war. We are at war and not against flesh and blood. But the Bible says against principalities and powers of this dark world. Now look, it's right for us not to talk about this all the time. I mean, we don't want to always be thinking about and talking about demons and Satan. I mean, who, 
Who wants to do that? I don't know about you, but I want to do what the Bible says. I want to put my mind on things that are holy and lovely and things that are pure and righteous. I want to think about Jesus and his work on the cross, and, and that's how I want to live my life. When I come to church, I want to exalt Christ and celebrate the gospel. When I live my life, I want to live in the, in, in the brightness and in the beauty of all of the light that God has for me and live a life that way. That's what the Bible tells us to do, to set our minds on things that are above, to set our minds on things that are lovely and holy. However, we can't be naive. We can't be naive and and, and not know that the Bible tells us that Satan, he is prowling around like a roaring lion. He is sneaking around. He is crouched just like he slithered up to Eve in the garden. He is crouched in the bushes. He is waiting to pounce. He is looking for you to give him an opportunity to do you pain and harm and spiritual damage. He's waiting on it. In fact, he's counting on you not being aware of his devices. We've got to stay alert. Evidently, he liked to, uh, uh, these demons, they like to prowl around in church, what you and I would call church, although it was a synagogue back then. And he had this man in some type of spiritual bondage. And that's, that's, really, all, that, that's really all the forces of evil do. I mean, whether we talk about the systems of this world or whether we talk about the forces of evil that are at work in this world, the goal is for you to be in spiritual bondage, for your life, to just like this unclean demon, for your life to be unclean in some type of way. That's what Satan wants for you. That's what demons want for you. They want you to be like them. They want you to be unclean. They want you to experience the same torment that is going to await them in hell for all eternity. They, they want, to, they want to, uh, to, to make your life as uncomfortable as possible. Um, and spiritual bondage, let me just say what I mean by spiritual bondage. What I mean in this particular uh, instance, is that this man was oppressed, possessed, or under some type of controlling influence of an evil spirit. And I personally think this is more common than we think. Now, it's likely that some of you maybe have never experienced the picture that we see in Scripture right here, but I believe that our enemy is so smart I believe that he wants to match the sophistication that we have in westernized culture and he wants to sneak in and he wants to attack us and place us in bondage in ways that maybe aren't quite as ugly as that horror movie that you saw that involved some type of satanic demons or whatever. I'm just not so sure that that's what Satan looks like. After all, the Bible tells us that he can disguise himself as an angel of light. Yes, I believe that he can match the sophistication of a culture. He can sneak his way in. He can disguise himself. And if he can deceive you into thinking he looks one way, whenever actually he's attacking you in a different way, then that is certainly his goal. So, okay, what is a, what is a demon? I, maybe you've never asked that question. But here's just, some, here's just some, some basic facts that we derive from Scripture about 
what a, what a demon is. Basically, they want to, they're fallen angels. They want to torment people and do the work of Satan. I mean, this is completely against what God wants. They are the powers of evil in this dark world. That's what the Bible says um, about them. Their influence is everywhere, but I believe they like to stay hidden. Their influence, though, is all over the place. They are patient and smart and crafty. They want to create destruction and decay. They want to hurt you in some type of way. They absolutely hate people because they hate God. And people are made in the image of God. And they just can't stand that. And as a Christian, as you're being restored to the image of God, as you walk with him, oh, they really hate that. They really hate you. If you worship Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you want to live for Jesus, if the image of God is being restored in you through Christ, they hate you. But let me tell you something they love. They love false doctrine. They hate the truth. They want you to believe lies. They want you to believe lies about yourself, about people around you. They want you to believe lies about God. They want you to believe lies about the world. They want to put you in, in bondage, and they disguise themselves. Their future is in the worst part of hell. There's no salvation for them. There's no redemption for them, and, 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 and what's more, they know it. They know that there is, they know what their future holds. It's why they would cry out to Jesus and say, Have you come to torment us before our time? They, they know their time is coming. They want to bring as many people with them to the bottomless pit as possible. They want to assist you as you walk down that broad road that leads to destruction. Now, here's the thing. They can have a controlling influence over people. I don't know if you want to call it possessed or if you want to, whatever you want to call it, but they can have a controlling influence over people, and it really depends on how much, how much, how much authority and control, and we'll get to that in a minute, how much authority and control you give them over your life. Whatever you give them, they'll take, and whatever they take, they will twist and they will cause pain and destruction in your life. All right. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, man, I just don't know. Here's the thing. You don't have to be scared of them. You do not have to be scared of demons at all. The Bible says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They're powerful, and they're strong, and they, they are stronger than you, and they're smarter than you, and they're more powerful than you, but they're no more powerful than the Jesus that lives inside of you. And this is why we don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in fear thinking, oh, they're going to sneak up behind us and they're, 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 they're going to hurt us. But here's the thing. We, also, we have to be vigilant. As believers, we can't be naive. We have, we have to be vigilant and not vigilant and necessarily trying to defend ourselves from demons and from Satan, but be vigilant and circumspect in how we keep our hearts reserved for God alone. We're vigilant in our relationship with Jesus. That's our spiritual warfare. Not going out and finding demons and trying to cast them out and do, do certain things like that. 
Um, but if we're not vigilant, they can oppress and they can torment believers who are weak or lazy or unaware. They absolutely can place you in bondage if you let them and if you open yourself up to them. They can build a stronghold in your life. You can be attacked by Satan and by demons. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you feel these attacks through your temptations. Some of you feel these attacks as you you say, I'm going to be resolute in walking with Jesus, and then all of a sudden you get attacked. Some of you in the problems of your life, as you try to experience them and work through them and deal with them, you, you feel that attack, you feel that darkness, you feel those forces coming upon you. The Bible never tells you that you have, you, have some type of, you have some type of power and authority to fight them. The Bible says that we submit ourselves to God, that we focus upon Him. And any time, here's, here's, I think here's something that I would just warn you about. Any time you open the door to something unholy in this world... You are going to open the door to spiritual attacks on your life. They want to exploit the evil that already resides in you that you're trying to deal with. You see, we don't, we don't get to blame them for our sin. We don't get to say, well, I'm sinning because the devil made me do it. Or a, a, a demon made me do it. Or the reason that I have this temptation is because a demon is inside of me. No, you have a sinful flesh. You have a sinful flesh that has sinful impulses and sinful tendencies. And that sinful flesh, as you facilitate it, can even grow and learn how to do new sins in new and different ways. You can't blame it on Satan. It's your flesh. But listen, here's what Satan does. Here's what demons do. As you start to walk in those sinful patterns... They come alongside you, and they want to help you. They want to assist you. If you're walking down the broad road that leads to destruction, they will just hold your hand, and they will sing you lullabies, and they will coddle you, and they'll make it easy on you to do so. If your favorite sin is lust, they'll help you with that. If your favorite sin is thievery, they'll help you with that too. If your favorite sin is greed, or if your favorite sin is anger, or whatever it might be, they're here. They will help you with that. You see, in the same way that the Holy Spirit helps you to be righteous as you seek the Lord, as you read His Word, as you pray, and the Holy Spirit guides you and leads you towards holiness... So demons want to do the, the, the opposite. They're just waiting for you to slip, waiting for you to, uh, to, to, to be unaware, waiting for you to let down your guard, waiting for you to not maintain your heart for God for just a second so he can pounce on you like a lion. But here's the good news. Jesus gives us spiritual rescue. He is the only one who can rescue us from the forces of this dark world. Look what it it says in in Luke chapter 4, verse 35 through verse 41. He basically rebuked this demon. He told him, in essence, sorry parents, he said, shut up. We don't say shut up in my house, but we say shut up in church. Jesus said, shut up 
and go away. You know, that a lot of times is enough. For Jesus to just show up in my life and protect me so that I won't listen to things that I shouldn't listen to or listen to people that I shouldn't listen to or listen to myself. You see, the Bible says that your heart is, is, is desperately wicked and beyond repair. You don't follow your heart. If you follow your heart, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to follow the darkness in your heart. No, you follow the Spirit of God. You follow, you follow the Spirit of the Lord when He comes up. And sometimes that's just what we need. We just need, we need Jesus to, to show up and just say, let's just, let's just let that be quiet and just get, just, just, let's just get this out of here. Jesus is the only one who can rescue us from the power of the evil one. The only one. And Jesus has always been God's plan. Not some super Christian with a spiritual gift that can somehow lay hands on people and rid you of your sin problem. There's, listen, there's no one who can do that. There is no human being that can come up to you and place their hands upon you and in their own power rid you of your spiritual problems, of your sin problems, or even of your physical ailments or any of that. Jesus is the only one who saves just him. And look, he can do it through people if he wants to. He can do it any way that he wants to. But this demon was scared of Jesus. This, this picture of what we see right here is, uh, is just like what James said. Even the demons believe and shudder. They knew exactly who Jesus was, and it terrified them. And in a stroke of irony, that's, that's almost like an example for us to recognize and acknowledge who Jesus is and in fear submit ourselves to God, something that we know that the forces of evil uh, will never do willingly. And so Jesus casts this demon out. He, he, he sends him away. This demon was tormenting him, and Jesus said, I'm going to free you from this torment, and he, and he sent him away. I, I suppose there's any number of ways that we could be under some type of spiritual torment or some type of spiritual ailment. You know, you're only a couple of bad decisions away from that happening in your life. You open the door to something unholy. And you walk through it and you start making decisions and you start going down that road. And, bef and before long, before long, you're in bondage. I mean, you, you watch something that you shouldn't watch one time. You open the door and then what happens? It pulls you in. I mean, that's the way that the enemy works in our life. He is waiting on you to let your guard down, waiting on you to, to, so he can exploit those desires of your evil heart. And there's any number of ways that the uncleanness and the filth and the moral decay of this world can, can, can squeeze its way in our life. But Jesus came to rescue us from the principalities of the air. This is why we call upon Jesus. 
This is, this is why we take captive every thought. This is, this is why whenever we're tempted, we call on Jesus. This is why when the cares of this world overwhelm us, we call on Jesus. This is why whenever we get sick, whenever we have a bad report from the doctor, we call on Jesus. When we have problems, when we have hurts and habits and hang-ups, we call on Jesus and he saves us. I contend that every time a lost soul calls on the name of Jesus, that the powers of darkness and of Satan and of demons are broken in that person's life. Every single time. And I believe every single time that we do that as believers, and when we genuinely call on Jesus and say, come save me from this, I believe that he shows up. When we invoke his name and we really mean it, I believe Jesus shows up and rescues us and, and, and helps us. And this is why we don't have to focus on fighting the evil one. Our, sp our spiritual battle is just to focus on Jesus and to think about him. And he shields us with the full armor of God. And he protects us from the darts of the evil one. And he is the only one with the spiritual authority to do so. And that's really what it boils down to. Who's going to be the authority over your life? Are you going are, are to allow the forces of this dark world to be the authority over your life that puts you in bondage? Or are you going to submit yourselves to God and allow Jesus to be the authority over your life, which leads to freedom and liberation? You see, there's, there's, there's an authority that leads to bondage, and there's an authority that leads to freedom. And Jesus came that we might be set free. He came that we might walk in that freedom. Look, not every temptation and not every spiritual battle is necessarily demonic. But it could be. It was for Eve. Satan was right there whenever Eve was tempted. And when she took of that fruit, he just laughed. Satan was right there whenever Jesus was tempted. Now, he didn't get a laugh in that, in that particular situation, though. And he is often right there with you and I whenever we're tempted. He's often right there. He wants you to fail. And when you fail, he wants to rub it in. When you fail, he wants to say, I knew it. I knew, I knew it. You don't have what it takes. God doesn't love you. I knew it. You're such a horrible, terrible person. I mean, you might as well give up. I mean, all these people at that church, they see right through you. I don't even know why you even go. They know you'll never measure up to them. They have it all figured out. Look at your life. You're broken. That's what Satan does. That's, that's what he wants you to believe. That's not what our God does. Our God says... Our God didn't have to say anything. He said it. He said it when he died on the cross. He said he loved you. He came to die for you, even whenever we were enemies of God. Satan wants to rub it in whenever you, feel, whenever you fail. He wants you to believe that nobody loves you. That's what he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that you're unlovable. He wants you to question God. He wants you to question God's word. He wants you to question God's goodness. He wants to make you unclean. That's what Satan wants to do. 
He wants to send his demons and his minions to make you unclean. He wants you to be in pain. He wants you to be in misery. He wants you to be in torment. And if you allow him, he wants to build a nest in your life. He wants to build a stronghold in your heart. And he wants you to be controlled by your sinful urges. Do not allow him to be the authority in your life. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves to God. That's the key. Submit yourselves to God. Do you need spiritual healing today? Submit yourself to God. You see, you might be sick, but you don't have to be in bondage to sickness. You might be poor, but you don't have to be in bondage to poverty. You, you might have all kinds of problems, but you don't have to be in bondage to them. My Bible tells me that God can raise me up on eagle's wings, that he can give me peace, that he can give me joy, he can give me freedom, even in the worst of circumstances. Listen, if there's something unclean about your life, you're in the right place. Just like this demon-possessed man was in this synagogue. He was in the right place, wasn't he? Sitting there listening to the Son of God preach, I'd say that he was in exactly the right place. And he received spiritual freedom. Listen, you may have all types of spiritual bondage and torment in your life. You may feel unlovable and Satan may have you his captive. But you are absolutely in the right place to find freedom but only if you call upon his name. So let's pray to him. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. You call on Jesus right now. Listen, if you've never been saved, if you've never come to know Jesus as your Savior, if you cannot identify a point in time in your life when you were born again, would you call on Jesus right now? Just say, Jesus, save me. If you mean it in your heart, if you really want that, I believe Jesus will come and save you. He will come and rescue you from the forces of evil in this dark world and rescue you from yourself. Just call upon his name. And for those of you who are Christians here today, maybe you have identified a stronghold in your life. Something that has your heart other than Jesus. Something that has, uh, that has captivated your mind and your emotions more than Jesus. Would you ask Jesus to save you from that? Ask him to rescue you. We're going to have prayer, and then we're going to sing. And during any time while we're praying, any time while we're singing, if you want to come to the altar and pray, please feel free to do so. You can pray right where you are. You can pray out in the aisles. You can come to the altar. If anything is on your heart, and you just need to come and just pour it out before the Lord, please do that. Jesus can save you today. He's the only one who can.